What's up, guys? I'm Will Cole, and this is my friend, Seamus Mullen. Hey, guys. So I'm a functional medicine practitioner based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, but I see patients around the world via webcam consultations, men, women, just looking to get to the root cause of why they're struggling, people with autoimmune issues, hormone problems, digestive issues, all the stuff that my goal and passion is to help people reclaim their health. And Seamus here is a chef in New York City. Uh, Seamus has had a wild personal health story himself. In short, he basically died and came back to life. And when he did, he overhauled his lifestyle. So Seamus and I have been talking to our friends at Goop for a long time about personal transformations. And we finally decided to turn those conversations into a podcast. So we'll be here every Wednesday talking to a different guest. We're interviewing athletes, actors, people who struggled with addiction, people who had tough childhoods, people who have experienced crazy success, and people who've learned a lot from failure. And we're learning a lot from them. Sometimes it's a little heavy, but mostly it's a lot of fun. We hope you agree. All right, here we go. This is Goop Fellas. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Goop Fellas. Will, how you doing? I'm doing awesome. How are you? You know, I am so stoked that spring is finally here. It's been such a long and crappy window, winter, and, and today I rode my bike into the studio, and I got here completely drenched, and I forgot how much I absolutely loved that feeling of yeah. sitting in a cold, sticky, sweaty shirt in a studio <laughs> with air conditioning. We're, it's it's a, like we're always complaining about th- something. Yeah, well, it, it's Northeast problems, but the rest of the country is not realizing what we go through every winter. No, it's pretty rotten. Anyway, man, I'm super excited for today's podcast. We have a really amazing guest, Keith Mitchell. He's a former NFL All-Pro player who went through a pretty insane um, experience and has come out on the other side. Really just an amazing conversation. So much to learn. Yeah. I mean, his conversation was epic. Just going from one extreme to another and your whole sense of self for himself. It was it was this pro athlete. It was this sort of alpha male. And to have that crushed in an instant and then how he rebuilt himself in a brand new way, I think will speak to a lot of people wherever they're at in life. Yeah, totally. It's funny. Throughout the whole conversation, he does talk a little bit about this, but one of the things I feel like he was kind of speaking around without actually saying that just only in reflection I realized is that he really talks about the obliteration of the ego and how so much of who he was was completely tied to and and identified with being this, as you said, like this alpha male, this incredible athlete. And then to have all of that in an instant taken away from him, he went in for a tackle and he was, um, he became paralyzed. I mean, he lost use of his whole body and slowly through, uh, through meditation and yoga was able to reclaim his life. So man, what an incredible guest. I'm super excited. Uh, his foundation is called the lighted up foundation. He works with children and doctors and veterans and tons of people that have suffered from traumatic brain injuries and, and mental health disorders. What an extraordinary dude. Uh, Super excited to get to this conversation. All right, guys, let's jump into our conversation with Keith. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be in here in the rain. Keith, can you just run us through in your own words what happened in your accident and what was happening leading up to your accident? And so we can kind of get a a sense of time of place of what, what what this moment was in your life. Yeah, for sure. You know, just like a lot of kids, you know, growing up with the dream and aspirations to be a pro athlete, I, I did that out of Texas. Uh, 
I went to Texas A&M. Uh, once, actually, you know, I had to back up. Once my mother let me play the game <laughs> <laughs> at the age of 13, 14, or whatever it was, um, I, I had a desire to, to, to be great in, in this game of football. And uh, I, I chose Texas A&M to go to college and play, became an All-American, uh, then went to the New Orleans Saints uh, under Mike Dicka in 97. And uh, I stayed there for six years, and I went to the Houston Texans. And then I went to Jacksonville. And I guess Jacksonville is where the story begins for me, actually, uh, because they're making a tackle I made, you know, a million times uh, playing the linebacker position. You know, we hit hitting it was in the physical contact as part of the game. But this particular play, I guess, from the years and years of just kind of all co- combined together on this particular play, I end up on my back and uh, I was paralyzed. I, I was diagnosed with a spinal contusion. Uh, I suffered paralysis for about a, a little bit over a month. And uh, again, like I said, my life began there. <laughs> wow. So yeah. you went from everything that, that your life had been about up until that moment, you know, all of everything you'd been working towards and gotten to what for most people who, who are striving to be professional athletes, you'd reached kind of the pinnacle, you'd, you'd reached your goal to suddenly having the, have the, having the rug pulled out from underneath you. Can you take us to that moment and, and what was going through your mind when, when you realized when you're, I mean, you, you hit the deck and I'm, I'm assuming you couldn't move and were carried off the field. And then when you were told in the hospital that you may never walk again like what was going through your mind well yeah you know the thing is that you know like i mentioned that the years combining you know we're we're all made of the same bones you know our bones get conditioned to take a certain amounts of of punishment that we put on it on a day-to-day but at the end of the day it's still bones and we're, we're we're fragile and uh I guess my time was up, but you know, in, in yoga, cause yoga is a, is a really a keen practice for me. Uh, we have this uh, posture called Shavasana and I like to uh, give the metaphor of like where I was at that time in this posture called Shavasana. It's the most vulnerable position uh, I consider in yoga. Mm-hmm. And I was there as this warrior athlete uh, in front of 80,000 people in the stands and millions watching in Shavasana. And that was a, a scary, uh, you know, feeling for me, unfamiliar feeling for me because the warrior, doesn't hold that vulnerability, as they say. That's where my life began. That's where my life changed. Um, you know, when the doctor's telling you that uh, this is your diagnosis and you're to believe it or accept it, I, you know, I really wasn't, I wasn't sure about that. You know, I was like, I had been through, you know, situations with doctors and uh, when it came to operating on my neck and the things they wanted to do, I was like, I didn't, I, I kind of backed out, out of that. And uh, I wanted to go more of a natural, holistic route. Uh, there was so much not understanding of what's happening with the spine, actually, at that time, too. So when you ask the doctor for the, the questions, you're asking the questions for the answers, and they're not able to give you any answers, it's, it's really a, a rubber-hits-the-road type effect for you. Now wow. what do you do? Wow. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. That, that whole idea of Shavasana is really incredible, because if you think about in, in, in most yoga practices, Shavasana is almost the most difficult difficult um, asana to, to, to work towards. And it's like your whole practice is working towards that. So in a way, you kind of realized your, your sense of purpose in that moment of uh, achieving Shavasana. That's really fascinating. Keith, I have a question for you. You talk in the past, you've talked in the past a lot about the gladiator uh, type or the warrior type you mentioned here in this conversation. Can you tell me about that, what you mean by that, and how that was impacted when you had your accident? 
Well, you know, it's again, you, you choose the character, you choose the role due to the experiences that you've been, you know, uh, you know, a lot of military athletes, you know, talk about this warrior gladiator construct, but it's really the, 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 the temperament, the environment that you actually grew up in that created the warrior. And for me, it's just a terminology of, of explaining that without explaining it. <laughs> and um, but but, you know, when you come to a conclusion of like, what is it all about this masculinity, you know, these things that we, we kill ourselves over that are not really giving us and doing the best service for us as our ultimate well-being uh, and not realizing the consequences. I mean, it's going to come back, you know, and, and for me on that day, it came back. But in a good way, you know, life happens. It doesn't mean good or bad. It's just what is. And so in this place of what is, we can learn, we can grow and, and, and evolve. It's incredible. So I want to touch a little bit on that idea of masculinity, because obviously you're, this notion of mindfulness and being in, in a state of, of accepting what happens, you know, it's just sort of like it, thing, life is, it's not good or bad, just accepting it. That's sort of the, the it seems like the foundation of, of mindfulness. But that seems to be almost at odds with that notion of masculinity and being a gladiator and having this ego that's being driven through physical achievement and dominance. How, now that you do a lot of work through, uh, through the Lighted Up Foundation, how do you use that idea of the ego and masculinity and help teach people to shed some of that so they can embrace the, the practice of mindfulness um, to become a better version of themselves? Well, you know, it's the balance and it's the fight for balance. It's, you know, the past patterns that we've created, uh, the identities that we've attached to. I mean, we are to transfigure those things. Uh, we're also to scan and evaluate our lives uh, through, through contemplation. It's the meditation that I teach, you know, questioning and answering. Uh, why do I have to be this way? Why do I have to perceive myself only this way? And says who? And like uh, to give myself an ultimate chance to really to to be this uh, higher self, as you just mentioned. And, and then that balance is going to be more the, the femininity that was going to be compassion was going to be patience and things like that and not even just with anybody else but starting just simply with yourself and when you begin to create that with yourself it naturally rolls and flows out to everyone else that you're interacting with Keith so you mentioned uh, after the injury they were recommending surgery on your neck and you wanted to go a more natural route so can you tell everybody what that natural route looked like for you well, the interesting thing is for me, it's funny how I even got into meditation or it's right on time, actually. The nurse came to me. She talked to me. I was in the hospital. I'm there, you know, can't move, not realizing why I can't move. And she said, do you want, do you know what happens when you breathe? Do you want to know about conscious breathing? And I was like, what is conscious breathing? And she says, when you breathe from the belly on the inhale, the diaphragm pushes down on the exhale, it pushes up. And this di dynamic of engagement allows you to participate in your healing. And she didn't really say it that way, but that's how I interpret it. But with really just taking in the understanding of what happens when you breathe and realizing the circulation, the nourishment that happens just simply with your breath, uh, it took me out of the victim state. It took me out of the depressed state because why? I realized that I could participate in my own healing. Man, that's that's so cool. And that's something that really resonates for me on a personal level from my own journey and what I went through. And I was so sick for many, many years. And to get over that, the first thing I had to do was stop thinking of myself as a victim and stop, you know, putting blame on uh, the outside world and on other people. And, and all of these things are outside of my my control and start to recognize that I could actually make conscious choices about my own well-being. I think that that's something that's really difficult for a lot of people to, uh, to, to, to really understand. And if you get stuck in that rut, you're unable to move forward. 
And I'm just wondering now, like, as you see yourself in the life that you're in right now, how, as you look back at your career when you were a professional athlete, how do you, how do you see yourself differently? And how, how would you, even if you could, how would you talk to that earlier version of Keith Mitchell? How would you, how would you inform him with the, with the experience that you've been through now? Well, you know, it's really the developmental process. You know, when we're going through life, you know, as kids, we're trying to figure things out. We're in a household. We don't understand or have the the, the consciousness of what, what relationships consist of. And we, we align with the person who talks to us the most. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's typically not your father. So uh, <laughs> right. so, so you kind of, you're, you're, you're assuming things and, and, and things are not being really articulated and talked to you in, a, in simplicity about what's really happening. And so you're left to kind of figure it all out. And a lot of times, as, as you know, we assume things where typically our assumption is wrong. And we go through life and like uh, no one ever corrects us. No one ever sits us down and like says, slow down. This is what it is. And so what I would go back to myself and say, hey, you can create whatever you want. So whatever you put the attention to, the energy to, you can have it. Just like I was able to attain sports, but I put my attention, I put my focus, my practice, everything that I was into this game. But there's so many other games that we can play. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, I, so I, I would rather focus on the human development growth and realize I have the capacity to do this or that or a third. You know, I, I see so many other people who are in other cases, not just as an athlete, but as an attorney, as a doctor, you know, certain levels of entrepreneurship. We're, we've kind of really uh, hardwired ourselves into a thinking of this is how I'm supposed to be and this is how I can only function. But that's a lie. And you're lying to yourself. And if you continue to believe that, you can have success doing that. But there's going to be parts in your life that you're going to end up missing. And that's the malnourishment that I like to get into when it talks about nutrition. And that's the realization of human connection is really what it's all about. And that connection first starts with yourself. What does meditation look like for you? For just the average listener that's out there and they know, hey, I think I know what meditation is. What does that look like for you on a daily basis? Man, that's a big question. You know, um, you know, meditation for me, first, I start out with contemplation. Contemplation, all, answer, all questions are answered. All issues are solved through questioning and answering. Man, now the kicker is you have to answer yourself with truth. A lot of times we lie to ourselves. And when we find ourselves in acknowledgement of the truth, now we can surrender to that with our exhale. So we inhale the growth and exhale and releasing the tension, the doubt, the negativity, what we've been told, this and that and the third, uh, to move into another elevation of who we can be. First, I go there. I mean, a lot of people talk you know, and teach the blissing out, and I like the bliss out too, but I like to deal with the situations and, and level up the thinking that I have that I hadn't worked on and didn't even know I had the ability to work on it up until, for me, the age of 31. Wow. Can you can you just rewind a little bit and take us back to that moment when you're in the hospital and the nurse is starting to teach you this idea of conscious breathing and and you're starting to have your first and I'm assuming this was your first experience with with meditation. Had you meditated before? I hadn't meditated before. So this is your first experience with meditation. How did you go from being in the hospital learning some breathing exercises but having zero function of your body, not being able to control the movement of your body to becoming a yoga practitioner to becoming an athlete again to redefining your your own relationship with your body because anyone I mean if you haven't if you aren't familiar with Keith you know check him out check out his Instagram you can see this guy is a phenomenal athlete he didn't he he may have been taken down through through a moment of crisis but he was able to channel that and turn that into something greater and and is is still an incredible athlete um, so how did you go from being 
you know, paralyzed, not being able to use your body. What were the steps? What did that look like? And what did that process feel like to you? Well, first, she, she got me with the concept of, of, of realizing what it is when I breathe, conceptualizing that. And only, in my opinion, can you uh, use something as a tool when you can conceptualize it, make, meaning making it practical. Mm-hmm. And so how I was wired at that time is like, okay, give me the playbook, let me execute. Hence my new book coming out, The Mindfulness Playbook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I was wired as like, say, okay, give me the plays and let me execute. You know, we mm-hmm. had this saying in sports, you know, we, we think during the week and react on Sundays, you know? So right. it was like, it was not a, 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 an idea of like doubting it. It was like, can this do this? It was in the urgency. It was like, I need this now because why? My life it depends on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that a lot of times we get in these circumstances, which we're here trying to like, well, I don't know. Is it for me? Is it the, it's like, we have to like find that bullseye and we got, got to go for it. Like this is, this is my opportunity. And I took it as like, if I was drowning and someone's, you know, sent me or, you know, threw me a rafter that I could uh, float back to, to land. It was my playbook and I began to execute it and to see how it could work for me. And that changed my life. Yeah. For people to have a transformation in their life, they can go through pain like you went through or they can go through proactive action. And that's what really what you're educating people uh, today on. What are some action steps for people to take that maybe didn't go through a trauma like you went through, but they want to start making more mindful decisions. They want to live a more conscious life. What, what would you recommend them to start with? Well, you know, two things, you know, I've been going around uh, in the recent classes talking about, uh, you know, again, question and answering. And the most profound question that I've realized up to date is when did you first realize that you had a relationship with yourself? And, and for me, I was 31. And regardless of whether I knew it or not that this relationship was going on, I still build up patterns of a relationship. And typically, that's going to be a relationship of neglect. And so you begin to ex- discover and acknowledge, how have I neglected myself? You know, because we're, we're deep down inside, we're longing. Even as we have all the things, you know, that was one of the most interesting things is telling people that I wasn't happy when I had three houses all over the place and cars all over the place and I was confined to one room, you know, you know previous to that. And people wouldn't get it until I was ended up flat on my back. You know, and then I begin to explain it like and, and then but, but, you know, it's like it's, it's a very interesting thing, man, when you can really just break you down and acknowledge the, the trauma that you the hurt that you've been experiencing and realize that it doesn't take away your masculinity. It doesn't take it doesn't mean that you're weak. It just you're just discovering the things that have been hurting you and, and in, in the ways that they've been creating limitations for you. And when we realize that and we allow ourselves to solve those problems internally, it, it, it changes the game. It, it broadens our perspective. It, it broadens our horizon of what we are to accomplish in this life. Mm. That's amazing. I mean, you speak a lot about how after the accident, you had to confront this idea of a new identity. You had to become a different person. Can you talk a little bit about what that process was and, and maybe how that might, you know, what sort of advice you might be able to give to people who are trying to let go of an old identity? Because I think so much of what we all, we, we so clearly, I had a really amazing experience this weekend where I was, I was uh, at a retreat with a group of, of 20 amazing people, mostly athletes, and we didn't ever say what we did. We spent, you know, two days together and, and the only rule was you couldn't say what you did. And so much of our identity and our ego is tied into the things that we do on a daily basis. And I think more, more so than 
with anyone with professional athletes because you're so tied to that not idea of being separate from the rest of you know you are the one percent of the one percent and so you are you are the elite to go from that and to have to embrace a new identity how do you and a lot of people go through through this sort of struggle where they have to recreate themselves and create a new identity how do you how do you what's what sort of advice or what have you learned on that path that you might be able to share with others well, the goal or discovering that I could be the athlete, it set me up for possibility. And so what's possible, which is, which is great for this, this type of work and this type of uh, when we talk about meditation and, and, and realizing what's possible, because we've already defined, you know, defined uh, what's possible because we've, we've created it. So we're convinced already, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so now we can realize, well, what else is possible? And this is why I like to, when we talk about the physical aspect of yoga and seeing the practical changes, because when a person can rehabilitate a knee that someone told, well, you're, you're, you're at a certain age and you can never have this flexibility again. And then you, you create it, you create the flexibility. Now you're like, okay, now what else can I do? Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's to realize that I can build again as the human being and in the human being capacity. It's, potential is, is available to me. So it's like the building on these, these cumulative small little wins, these tiny little victories. And building that into into the direction that you want that's fulfilling. The, I, mean, I think it's really curious that a lot of people say this. I hear I've heard a lot of uh, successful athletes talk about having three homes, four homes, houses, everything, and feeling really alone because they're totally disconnected from a community. And I think that's really you know it's it's amazing that idea of building on those small little wins of recreating who who is the person that you really want to be. Yeah, and it's important that we do create those landmarks that we can build from because when you take the big picture of transformation, it can look scary. It can look, uh, and when you're looking like climbing this big mountain, you, you know, the, you know, you may lose confidence. <laughs> so mm-hmm. if you can create these moments where we can have the wins, I like to call it in the book we talk about momentum. Uh, we're building that, and in all aspects, we we're, we're we're testing and we're trying things out because you have to also experiment. You know, if there's if there's ability to articulate like I had uh, growing up with my father, you know, to, to share and let him know that my pain, my burden was creating limitations in my life. And I couldn't do it all at once. I had to do it at spurts. You know, I mm-hmm. had to build uh, some momentum to say, OK, we can actually do this and we can actually be loving doing it. You know, it's like it's just that idea. And, it's, and it sounds so simple, but it's still complex to a lot of us when we think about it and, and when we actually put it into actual a usage or doing but when we realize that everything can be okay it's like wow okay then this is not so bad and let's build on this and let's create something new here and uh, i think it can be beautiful especially in that man dynamic mm-hmm. of like not being able to articulate uh, or wanting to express ourselves i think we have so much inside that we want to share and give and, and i think uh the world needs that you know has that impacted how you how you relate to your friends and to your family and to people that have known you your whole life, both before and after your accident? Yeah, I mean, it's totally changed my my game. Uh, it, you know, it's like, you know, it's like, why lead with anger? Why lead with these things? I mean, you know, I, I, the interesting thing is sports and football is one of the most violent games on the planet. But, you know, in the game, we, we play with more like finesse than the brute force, you know? <laughs> so why would we go through life in this, you know, this, this dominant look, this dominant posture when we can actually go through it with finesse and just, you know, move swiftly through life? So the whole idea of shedding anger, I think, is really amazing. And I'm, I'm curious to know if you can tell us a little bit about um, your foundation, the Light It Up Foundation, your work with the foundation, and how you use that idea of, of shedding anger and, and, and embracing mindfulness in the work that you do. Can you t- talk to us a little bit about what it is that you guys do? 
Yeah, we do a lot of things. We kind of go in the community. Um, we and we were in Schenectady Union College, and we created the Peace Week there. Uh, I just came back from the Chamber of Commerce out in River Riverhead, uh, New York, outside the Hamptons, uh, just spreading mindfulness as, as a you know as something that we can combat to um, solve our problems. Uh, we've done things in L.A. as a retreat for the city of L.A. in, a, in the L.A. Coliseum. Uh, bringing, we brought like 12,000 kids from all over the, the city to learn mindfulness, to learn uh, about growing their food, uh, about meditation, different ideas of healing, sound bath healing, things like that. You know, because we, we try to create all kinds of experiences for people. We have, we're working with LAPD now and in, uh, integrating mindfulness in their component, using the breath as your first weapon, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this, 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 uh, gla- this gladiator mentality is within this force, and we get to get them to breathe and, and build a perspective, a, a wider perspective of what they're experiencing, you know? Uh, so we kind of find interesting ways that we can actually infiltrate the market uh, from medical to the LAPD. We're, we're, we're all about creating opportunities. That's amazing. That's great. That's great. I have a question, Keith. You mentioned uh, when you were younger, your mom had to let you play football. For your children, would you let your kids play football looking back and what you know now? Well, you know, it's tough, you know. Um, I, I say what I know now, I would let my, my child, I have a son, he, he, plays, um, he plays lacrosse, uh, soccer and things like that. If it ever come to football, of course I would let him play. What I would integrate is the the healing aspect. As you go out and do the damage, you have to come back also and do the healing. And when you create a combination of that, I mean, we live in a society, unfortunately, I mean, you could be driving your car and, you know, you have unfortunate collisions and, and things like that. And I don't think we can really avoid the trauma that life, you know, presents naturally. But, you know, so I would just... So for for the game, if he wanted to play the game, or my daughter would want to play the game, or any type of game that has violence and physical um, detriment, I would, you know, we would just create the balance, the healing aspect of it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that's great. There, there's so many different kinds of trauma, and there's there's the the acute, incredible, you know, the acute, severe trauma that you went through. There's there's the car crash, but then there's there's a lot of a lot of people that are just dealing with chronic trauma, this very low level chronic trauma that can be equally debilitating, that can that can have uh, in, in its cumulative effect can can really just be incredibly, incredibly damaging. How do you see what you've learned, the lessons that you've learned as somebody who's who's become a practitioner of mindfulness and who's integrated breath work and yoga and meditation into your daily life? What? How do you see that then applying to uh, someone who hasn't necessarily been through the same sort of catastrophic experience that you have and, and has, has had to re- reinvent themselves, but is kind of doing it on a low level every day? How can you, how can you help guide people to just continue to, to live a more fulfilled life despite these small little, I call them the paper cuts of life that we go through on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. Any, any advice for folks like that? Well, the next step for me is check in with nutrition. Nutrition fuels this this uh, transformation. You know, the the magnesium, potassium to keep the brain like elevated. To you know, because you know you have to realize our, our thoughts are fueled by something, right? Well, what are we ingesting? Uh, and when and those are also micro patterns that we have. So if we we begin to read the ingredients about what we're ingesting and making sure the things that we ingest. Uh, serve our highest self, well, then we also take that pattern on as looking at other people, the circles that we surround ourselves in, with the places that we act, allow ourselves to go. 
things like that, the words we speak, the things we allow ourselves to listen to, we begin to realize that we're ingesting all these things that fuel consciousness. And uh, for me, luckily, I, I found a, an amazing teacher in uh, Dr. Sebi uh, out of Honduras, and uh, it was a game changer for me. All the, the trauma that I had sustained by playing the calcifications from the concussions that I had in my head, I began to heal that and work on that. And it was profound for me. Man, that's great. I mean, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Listen, Keith, it's been really awesome having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. There's there's something just incredibly inspirational. The first time I heard you speak, I it made me realize that, you know, anything is possible, that we as humans in this meat vessel that we live in, there's so much that we can do if we are are willing and open to to change and willing and willing and open to to listen to teachers. And that, that idea of being inspired by others, I think, is incredibly important. I know that on my own journey, I would not have been able to go through the journey that I've been on had it not been for inspiration of other people. And, and, and you're certainly one of them. And I'm, I'm just I'm really honored that you joined us. And thanks so much for sharing your story and continuing to do the work. Tell us again your, um, the name of your new book and where we can find out more information about you. The book is the Mindfulness Playbook. It'll be out end of the summer. Um, my website is keithmitchell59.com. Uh, my Instagram is the same and Twitter and so forth. Uh, yeah, check us out. The, the medicine. We are the medicine, the community. Uh, when we begin to realize uh, how to manipulate it within ourselves, everything is available to us. Potential is available to us. So it's a great uh, journey, and I, I, I look to see you on that. Uh, see you riding with me on that journey. <laughs> right on. Thank you so much for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. Thanks. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to a conversation with Keith Mitchell. I think what will stick with me probably the most was this sort of redefining of who you are. And we all can relate to this on different levels. We're not NFL players. At least I'm not. I don't know about you, Seamus. But no, I'm, not yet. <laughs> I'm working on it. I but think it's me, a little early for the draft. <laughs> but for me, it's um, in my own way. Wow. It's like, how do I see myself? What do I put my worth in? And Keith saw this in the sort of extreme level, this prototype that I think a lot of men and women can really relate to. Yeah, man, you know, I just can't stop thinking about this dude who has the most calming and centered presence and voice. And then I think about him on the football field as a complete warrior. You know, I'd almost be more scared of lining up against somebody that's just that present and calm. Um, but I got to say, the thing that just really just blew me away is his um, this this moment of realization that if he didn't, he had to completely reinvent himself. I mean, he had to rebuild himself from the ground up from zero. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's an amazing parable for so many of us in life because we go through, we all go through, I mean, I have no idea how many different rebirths we go through, but I think every human on our on our journey of life goes through these incredible moments of um of cataclysmic change mm -hmm. and it really it, how you come out of that depends upon what you want to make of that experience and yeah. he's a great example of somebody who just took something so incredibly life-changing life-altering and turned it into his power yeah and to be up against you know conventional treatment saying you know i want to go a different route i'm going to try another route and and try meditation and try yoga in the face of all those obstacles is bravery in and of itself to not really know the other side of what could be possible and to really see the fruition of that that hard work of of stillness and, and meditation and yoga is really um Really amazing. Yeah, so cool. Well, if you want to learn more about Keith um, and his work, you can go to keithmitchell59.com and uh, you can learn all about 
him and about the work that he's doing through his foundation. What a great conversation. All right, everybody, let's get to this week's round of Ask Me Anything. So JP asks, how do you combat overeating? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Yeah, I would say get to the reason core of why you're doing that. And sometimes that has to do with past traumas. Mm-hmm. So sometimes it's not a food thing. It's not like a, you're not strong enough. You're not, you know, you don't have the mental fortitude enough. You kind of have to heal the past and what maybe you are emotionally eating for. Mm-hmm. And for some people, it, it is just a physiological my blood sugar's erratic and you get hangry and cravings and you end up binging. So I guess the core is to get to what the what's driving your overeating. You know what it is for me? What? Because I know that I have a tendency to overeat is if the food is in front of me, I just eat it. Oh, okay. So I mean I the, the the easiest for me when I was trying to lose weight, the 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 easiest way to do that was to just structure my meals mm-hmm. and portion them. And then make sure that I wasn't eating outside of my eating window. Yeah, that's good. And I think people just being mindful of their bodies, eating mindfully is a good start. And eating when you're hungry and eat until you're satiated. And that takes mindfulness. Sometimes people are so used to reactively eating. And the bigger point too is, and I know you'll agree with this, if people are eating real nutrient-dense foods, they're kind of less likely to overeat because it's not empty calories. Right. That's it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Will and I would love to know what you think about Goop Fellas. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to goop.com slash goopfellas. And we hope you'll be here again next Wednesday. Talk soon.